Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, we're going to learn how film can affect our mental health when we share the journey of a woman who discovered that watching movies was a key part of her self-care in a form of therapy. We're going to talk about the concept of cinematography and how movies like Inside Out, The Princess Bride, and A League of Their Own led to the research behind how watching movies can have a big impact on our mental health. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About a prescription for a movie ticket. My guest in this episode is Anne Feustel. She's a writer, a business owner, an editor, a proofreader, a data entry clerk, and a transcriber. Because she has struggled with her own mental health issues, she feels called to be an advocate for others who have the same challenges. Her goal is to help everyone find easily accessible ways to improve their mental health. She's the author of the book, Our Favorite Movies, How Films Affect Our Mental Health. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and sharing this with me. I, I've been excited about this particular conversation because I have a love for movies anyway. I think they always make me feel good, even if I have to cry, laugh, um, get angry. You know, you get involved in movies. It's like it's like a personal journey, right? Exactly. No, that's that's completely true, and and one of the amazing things about movies. So. I kind of like to start in the beginning of things and, and especially in the journey of your life. So let's find out how you got to where you're at now in, in actually writing the book. So where, where'd you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, and I moved to uh, Denver area in Colorado when I was 14. And I've lived here almost ever since. Went to college in Iowa. You know, that... that um you and I have something in common. I grew up in Colorado. Uh, I'm obviously down in Arizona now, but I miss Colorado. I, I lived there all of my life. Well, I can't say all of my life now, but I lived there. I grew up there, <laughs> and, and I miss it. I lived in the Colorado Springs area and then uh, Woodland Park. Oh, okay. And that's, nice. That's where my kids were born, and um, my wife and I had a house up there, and it's really nice. And now we come down to this brown desert. I, I want to be nice. I could say other things. <laughs> hot. <laughs> very, very, yeah, very hot. Yeah, I mean, it's hot here. I'm sure it's even worse where you're at. So what was your family like when you grew up? Um, so my family was very loving. Um, just, you know, I'm very, very blessed to um, have such a loving, amazing family. So part was, was the best part of growing up was how the the um the connection between me and my family. Do you have any brothers sisters? I do have a younger sister. Yes. So do you um did you say you went to university? Yeah, I went to um Cornell College in Mount Vernon, Iowa. What did you study there? I studied sociology and psychology. Is that what you did when you left college? Did you get into that field? No. Um to be frank, when I left college, I was in severe mental health um, problems. Things were really bad, so I didn't work right away after college. Um, and then um, a few years later, I started in in different um, things like I was in retail and food service. Um, you know, I was I couldn't find a job right away that really. Um, 
that really worked for me that really used my talents. So that was sort of disappointing that I wasn't in that field as soon as I was hoping. Did you, um, I know you're a business owner now. Uh, I think you do, you're a freelance writer, correct? And, mm-hmm. a, and a transcriber mm-hmm. and, and something. Like what got you into that? Sure. So I, um, I've always been a writer. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I've always loved to write. And then I did get to work in the mental health field for a time. Um, but I did get burnt out and it was a amazing job. I worked at the Colorado crisis and support line. Um, but it was just so much. And I wanted to stay, I wanted to do something with mental health, but just not on the front lines anymore. And, um, I decided to leave my job and start my own business and, and write the book. So that's, um, that's where I went. And then I did, I've done other writing on mental health as well. Did you always wanted to write a book of some type? Yes. Yeah. That's something I've always wanted to do when I was in uh, high school and my freshman year, I actually wrote a unpublished novella. So it's always been something that's been with me, whether it's short stories, nonfiction, um, you know, the, the novella. So writing is always, it's, it's sort of in my blood. Kind of an outlet um, my for mom you. worked as a writer as well for a time. Kind of an outlet. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely an outlet. Yeah, I grew up, my father was a journalist, so I grew up in a newsroom basically. And um, he got me involved in writing at a very early age. Oh, I kind of, I relate to that from that perspective. It allowed you to create an adventure or create a story or create something that took you away from, at least me, took me away from reality of the world at times. You know, it gave me an opportunity to kind of escape. Do you kind of get that feeling? Yeah. No, it, it's definitely a way to, you know, just like movies, it's, it is a way to escape. It's a way to, you know, go into this almost other world. Let's go back to, the, you said that when you left college, you kind of had some, um, some mental health issues. When did you first recognize that you had some issues in that area? Sure. Um, and it was during, it wasn't just when I left, but it was during college. Though That was the hardest time. I first recognized I had mental health issues when I was around 10 years old. Wow. Um, I had gone through a lot of bullying in school and I also have a lot of mental health, uh, a lot of folks with mental health issues in my extended family. So that sort of everything coalesced into having these, you know, very difficult situations. I've been hospitalized, I want to say six or seven times over my lifetime. So and three times during college. Well, that's quite a journey, actually. I mean, mental health in this country is very rarely discussed in a very open and honest way. I think that it needs to be discussed in a more open and honest way. I've learned that through experiences within my own family, as well as a police officer for as long as I was. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I was a, I'm a retired police sergeant. And, you know, the I think that the stigma around mental health keeps people from talking about it and, and that it needs to be discussed more in kind of an open forum because it's there are so many different forms of mental health that it, it needs to be checked on a regular basis, but it also needs to be managed, right? Right. No, that's completely true. And we have made progress on, you know, the destigmatization of, of mental illness, but we have, you know, so far to go. Um, but it's one of the things that's so important to me in my life is to get, you know, to normalize it and to help people understand that 
there's not something horribly wrong with them. They're not broken. They're not bad. It's just something that's going on with your brain. And, you know, it, it's it's okay to have these kinds of issues. Are you open to saying what you have been diagnosed with? Sure. So I was diagnosed with uh, depression in my teens. And then I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder and generalized anxiety disorder in my early 20s. And that affected your life profoundly, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there was a lot of things that I was hoping to do, like get a PhD and that kind of thing that just sort of I wasn't quite up to doing. But, you know, I'm things work out for a reason. And I have a feeling that if my life had gone one way, I never would have written the book that I did. Well, and, and I think we're going to get into that. The Most people who have um, mental health challenges uh, typically are put on prescription drugs. That's the, the basic protocol, prescription drugs and therapy, um, or vice versa, therapy first, and then prescription drugs, whatever the case may be. Um, right. What methodology did they start you on? Um, they started me on prescription drugs. And, you know, um, in my late teens, I was going on and off of them. But I finally decided that I was going to just do what the psychiatrist recommended I do, what they prescribed. I decided that um, when I was around 20 that I was not going to just stop taking them. I was going to go with what they said, but still make sure I had a voice. I think that's really important to make sure you say, hey, you know, this is how I'm feeling. I don't think, you know, this medication is working for me right now. Can we talk about it and see? Um, what we what's best for me and what's best for what's going on with my symptoms. So I have been taking medication um, religiously since I was 20, and that's 20 years ago now. And therapy is something that I've done most of my time since since my late teens, and both are um, keeping me alive and well. It's a, it's a positive thing. I mean, in reality, I mean, you've got. At what point did you just did you notice? I say, what point did you discover that uh, movies kind of played an integral part in your therapy? Because you know we can look at movies from several different. We look for an entertainment value, but you found something a little deeper than that, right? Yeah, so I was um, in training to work as something called a peer support specialist uh, for when I was working on the Colorado Crisis and Support Line, which is somebody who has mental health and or substance abuse issues, mentoring, coaching, uh, being there for people who also have similar issues. And so I was reading this textbook that we were using and I started talking about how humor was a form of self-care. And I was reading it and I'm like, oh my goodness, like all this comedy, all these comedy movies that I've been watching, uh, that's always been a way for me to take care of myself, to, you know, right. make sure that I can deal with my symptoms, I can escape, I can, you know, just uh, find a way to to get to a better balance. Had you always been interested in movies? Yeah, I've been watching movies since I was a little kid. I remember being a very, you know, when I was very little, loving to go to the movies, adoring it. And, you know, this particular movie I went to that was rather scary and, you know, my uh, friend at the time freaked out. You know, we were both pretty little and she went, she wouldn't watch it anymore. So she went into the lobby and then I think there was a friend of my mom's who was there in the audience. So I was 
okay in there, but I spent most of the movie alone watching it. And it was just amazing. And part of me was sort of worried and wanted my mom with me, but mostly I was just excited to be in there and to experience this. So I, it's always been something huge for me. It's always been an important thing of, you know, important thing in my life. Well, I got to ask this. What movie was it? Um, so it was, I'm drawing a blank on what it was. Sorry, I, my memory isn't the ma- most amazing thing ever. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm there with you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, just with the medication I, I can sometimes. I, I think it was The Great Mouse Detective. It just, that works. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it was, but... I do talk about it in the book, and I, I realize I'm like halfway through. I'm like, I'm not 100% sure about what movie that was. But it was a little it was a little scary. You know? it, it, was, it was more about, it was less, to me, the memory is, is more about the feeling of being in the theater, which I, you know, I really miss doing during COVID. Yeah, COVID kind of changed the, the world of entertainment in a very profound way, unfortunately. It yeah. um, created such an environment. Yeah, I... I remember my father taught me the significance of film and the significance of how it affects our minds and our psychology by watching the old Boris Karloff's Frankenstein and Light of the Living Dead and things like this, and then had me watch one of them while the music was full blast, and then just in the dark, and then at one point turning the sound completely down, and then say, now, how does that affect you? And seeing the difference in how, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, but how the cinematography played with the music and played with everything else to create that environment to immerse you in the middle of that film or that experience with that film, which is like kind of kind of cool, I think. But again, I think that might be part of what helps with the therapeutic part of it because it kind of takes you away. But I say we'll get into, we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Were there any other forms of therapy or other forms of methodology that you would? had used or experimented with in order to, before you decided to kind of evolve more into film? So, you know, I did the typical cognitive behavioral therapy, which tends to look at thought patterns that are more negative behaviors that are more negative, finding ways to reframe your thinking, that kind of thing. I've done DBT, which is dialectic behavioral therapy, and that is more focused on skills, how to do things like emotionally regulate and uh, communicate with other folks, that kind of thing. And then um, I've also done accept acceptance and commitment therapy, which I'm still doing with my therapist. And that more has to do with accepting yourself, accepting where you are, accepting that you have both negative and positive thoughts and feelings and thoughts aren't something you necessarily can control. You can find ways to try to go more towards positive thinking, but not punish yourself for your negative thinking. And so, yeah, I I definitely take elements of of all three of those when it comes to, you know, therapy and and what I read and think about and that kind of thing. Let's talk about your experience and your journey to to understanding how watching movies can basically have a profound effect on our mental health. Sure. How'd you discover Um, that? Yeah. So the journey... So the journey to sort of determine what the book's about or, or tell, ask oh, if no, you can ask. Basically, that, in general, you, 
discovered, you decided to kind of explore the opportunity for how film like plays a profound effect on your mental health. At what point mm-hmm. in your life did you understand that, yes, watching that movie, watching that um, Sleepless in Seattle had, had an effect on me, watching, you know, Die Hard uh, went, oh, wow, I, you know, I, I feel, I got my anger out. I feel, you know, my aggression got out because I watched Bruce Willis take down the bad guy. Sure. So it was in college when I realized that watching The Princess Bride was a way for me to escape and sort of be in this comfortable world where I didn't have to deal with my symptoms. I didn't have to deal with the outside world and and all the stress and, and triggers and everything. It was really I was it was about three in the morning and I couldn't sleep which is pretty typical uh, for those who experience mania with bipolar disorders. You have sleepless nights. So I just thought I'd pass the time, and it was it was like a light bulb went off. It was amazing. I was... Um, I was just, so, I felt so good. I felt so happy that I had something to really get me out of my head. Yeah, it's interesting, even in that movie, that's a, I mean, that's an iconic, legendary movie. Mm-hmm. Mostly dead. <laughs> Mostly dead. It, one of my favorite scenes between Billy Crystal and it, it just, yeah. it allows you to kind of feel good, feel angry, feel anticipated. You get involved, you get immersed in the journey that they were taking, you know, when they were switching the wines around, you know, to the poisoned wine, but both of them were really poisoned. I hope I didn't give anything away. <laughs> you, you know, it just, it, you anticipate, you're on the edge of your seat, you kind of get to escape just for a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So was that, was that the methodology behind delving into research? I mean, what a, what a way to do research, watch movies and see how it makes me feel. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. I mean, it was just, that was such a, a joy to the whole, everything I worked on for the book from start to finish, it was a joy. So what happened was I made this list of about 25, 20, 25 movies that I thought could work in the book. And then I watched all of them and I eliminated, I think I ended up with about 16 and then I watched all of them again. And every time I watched them, I took extensive notes about it. And then I decided on the 12 movies that I focus on in the book, and I watched them all again. So I really made sure that I, I, I really got into every single one of those. But um, that was and then I started, you know, I had heard about um, that there was a, a book called the motion picture prescription by Gary Solomon that covered, you know, what what I wanted to write about. So I read that. And then uh, Bridget Waltz has um, another book on the same topic of cinema therapy is is the topic, which is basically watching movies as a form of therapy. So and then I just, you know, I use the good old Google to find different research papers and and a lot of different articles and such about the subject. And it was just amazing to me, you know, all this research behind how much movies affect people. Now let's let's talk about the let's talk about that a little more in depth because, for example, several movies that you had kind of pointed out. Let's, let's talk about Inside Out, for example. What about Inside Out affected you in such a way that you know that it was either positive or negative for your mental health? and well-being. Sure. So Inside Out is my favorite movie. I think it is amazing. Um, And I'm not the only one who believes it affects mental health. I've been in various um, group therapy where they bring up, they show clips and such from the movie. So it's not just me. What is, to me, my favorite part of the movie is the character of Sadness. So 
for the listeners who haven't seen Inside Out, it's the story of the five basic emotions, joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. Joy, sadness, fear, anger. Yep, that's five. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, the, and you uh, counted on your fingers. Five. I saw you do it. it it's <laughs> <laughs> so basically the... The five basic emotions side of uh, the head of an 11-year-old girl named Riley, whose uh, family has moved from Minnesota to San Francisco. And she's very upset as, you know, I think most people are going to have big feelings when they move that far across the country. I know I did when I was 14 and moved to Colorado. So sadness is my favorite character. And she, and I, I've just really related to her because I felt sadness, you know, ever since I was a child in a big way. And it just, um, just the character, I I felt so connected to her. And also the fact that, I mean, in the movie, you see that sadness equals empathy. And I think that's so important. I think that's true for myself that I think I'm more empathetic because of the mental health issues that I go through. And I think that's something that people who have mental health issues, I think, are often more empathetic than those who don't have. Hi, this is Michael Hurst, your host and producer of One More Thing Before You Go. I have some exciting news that I'm going to release in the next couple of days. This will allow you to become more immersed in the One More Thing Before You Go family. We are growing and expanding. It's fantastic. It's great. We have some amazing developments, a chance for you to join the conversation, become part of the show, and help us grow together. We have a new app on iOS and Google Play Store that we're excited for you to go download for free. Take One More Thing Before You Go anywhere you go. Get updated instantly whenever an episode comes out. Read the blog get involved, join our elite membership club, which we'll talk about in the next couple of days. Register for a free account. You can do it right on the app. I can't wait to tell you the fantastic changes that are coming your way. It's going to help us stay more connected and grow the One More Thing Before You Go family. So join the conversation. Yeah, I find that, and this is only my personal opinion, so I'm not expressing this in any kind of a medical standpoint of whatsoever, but in my opinion, in my experience with individuals that are um, in the mental health field, I know they're there for a good reason and they're there to help people, but sometimes since they don't really or have not experienced what somebody's going through, that they just learn about it or they learn about it in a textbook, it's better to have gone through it and your empathy, your compassion, your humanity, and your experience comes out in such a way that it can be understood more effectively by other people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's different when you, I have, I have respect for psychologists, I have respect for therapists because of what they do, and I understand it. But, you know, it's it's just more unique coming from the individual that has experienced it and come through it and, and on the other side, because they can say, I've been there, I've done that, I understand how you feel. I don't just understand it, I empathize with you because I, I've been there. Exactly. That makes yeah. it an interesting thing. So you've already kind of talked about The Princess Bride, and, and that that's one of your favorite movies. What about that? Just break that down within that particular, because instead of that is the one, the animation, and it talks a little bit about mental health within itself. But as a contrast, how does, how does The Princess Bride play into that? So The Princess Bride, I would say what I get out of the Princess Bride, like mental health wise, or what is the mental health themes from the Princess Bride? Well, that what did you get out of it? And and yeah, you know, what what did you get out of it? Why did you include that one in the book? 
Sure, sure. Well, you know, for a lot of the reasons where I was talking about before, because of the escapism, because of the light bulb moment, but also I wanted to talk about how um, I connected with that movie also because it helped me grow as a person. Personal growth is something that everybody realizes you can achieve by watching a movie. But for instance, um, Fezzik, who's played by Andre the Giant, is my favorite character. And when I compare myself to him, I can see the positive qualities I have in myself. I can see my my friendliness. I can see the fact that both of us are very clever, uh, like wordplay, that kind of thing, uh, that we're loyal. So um, you, when you see yourself reflected in a movie and also even with characters who have more negative qualities, you can understand yourself better. And it's sort of an easier way to do it as opposed to trying to just sort of sit in your head and think and go around with that kind of stuff. Sometimes that's not helpful. A lot of times that's not helpful when you're just sitting trying to think through things and, right. and go into a negative headspace. But I think in general, it's something that um, uh, the cinema therapist Bridget Waltz is very much about finding ways to connect with characters in movies and finding ways to help that understand yourself. Had you read books like that prior to you really understanding what movies were doing for you? No, I, I hadn't really read any books like that before. So You just kind of realized it on one. your own. You said, hey, this really makes me feel better. It makes me feel good on the inside out. And exactly. That perspective. So in continuing this journey, and we won't go through every every movie you've got in the book, obviously, but just as the contrast, um, you sent me these as a contrast. So let's talk about A League of Their Own. Do you think that just sure. maybe played into an empowerment type of situation or, you know, to give you, you know, empower you to believe in yourself and that you can overcome and move forward? Well, A League of Their Own, I actually connected with that movie more because of the sisters theme. Um, you know, my sister is amazing. I, I named the book Our Favorite Movies because the vast majority, 10 of the 12 movies that I focus on in the book are, are movies my sister and I watched over and over and over again mm-hmm. as kids and teenagers. So, but A League of Their Own um, sort of helped me understand my sister and understand myself um, because she's definitely the older sister in the situation, even though she's younger than me. She's the Gina Davis character. She's just very talented. She's put together. She's smart. You know, she's just, um, she's awesome. And I just feel like the younger sister in that situation, you know, very emotional, um, maybe doesn't really, uh, not as popular, that kind of thing, a bit of the black sheep of the family. So um, I think that movie helps me understand my sister better and connect with her more by watching it. So let me understand and, the process. When you watch a movie like, you know, A League of Their Own, I, mm-hmm. I understand that you, you you show that connection with your sister, but you've watched the movie with your sister in regard to that. So how does that help us to improve our mental health by watching a movie like that one? Sure. So I think that watching a movie like that one, there's definitely that aspect. I think it's a way to, so let's say you have a sibling who you have a complicated relationship with. I think watching that movie and thinking about sort of how, you know, the ups and downs of of a sibling relationship Mm -hmm. and how, you know, nothing is permanent. You know, feelings are not permanent. Feelings change over time. 
And I think that maybe it also is a way to understand that the other person is not necessarily out there out to get you, that there's somebody who maybe want to connect with you, but have problems doing it. I think um, when it comes to that part of it, but I, I, but you're right. There's also the believing in yourself and feeling um, that you're strong is something that's important in that movie. Um, I think that movie also is just, it's hilarious. So that helps, you know, that's, that's something that's important is humor. And, and, and um, I think it just tells a great story and it's all about how powerful women can be. Oh, uh, the old cliche laughter is the best medicine. Exactly. It, it really is. It, it can, mm-hmm. it can bring you out of a slump. It can make grumpy people happy. <laughs> it can make sad <laughs> people happy. You know, it, it, it's a, it's a great thing to do. Laughing is a good exactly. thing. Laughing is a good thing. So how important is it for us to like perform a mental health check on ourselves, do you think, coming from an individual that um, has experienced mental health issues? I, mean, sure. I, I hate saying it that way, but in reality, it, I mean, again, I have family members that are being treated and have take medication and they, they have mental health issues. So... In regard to that, how is it? So, when you say mental health check, can you tell me a little bit more? What well, you I mean, mean do by you think that? there's something that we need to recognize within ourselves that if somebody's uh, maybe feeling the not feeling quite right or feeling in a certain way, or maybe they go to an extreme when they watch one of those movies and feel something, do you feel that there is something that they can do that they need to watch out for to say, hey, maybe I need to kind of go get a mental health checkup? Yeah. I think that, well, yeah, first first of all, I think that anytime you have any notion of the idea that it's a good idea to do a mental health check, I think it's a great, I you know, I think that's incredibly important. Um, and I encourage people to call a local crisis line um, or a crisis text line, that kind of thing. Just Google crisis line or, or suicide hotline because those places aren't just for people in crisis. They're for people who also are in need of mental health support. So just talking it out and those are 24-7 kind of phone services. But it's also good to see a therapist. It's good to see a, a psychiatrist if that's something that's important for you. But I always say don't dismiss what's going on. But sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, you can't get into therapy. There are other things that you can do for yourself. And one of them is watching movies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I, that's my that's my getaway, watching movies. I've done that since I was a child. So that's why I resonated with your book. And that's why I'm loving having the conversation with you, because it's that was my escape. I had a very dysfunctional family when I was a kid, and my escape was the movie theater. And uh, I stayed with that for the longest time. Um, obviously, I went on to be a police officer, and I retired from being the police you know, the police department. But then I became my second love, which was uh, filmmaking and directing and producing and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, this is this is good. I encourage you anybody to pick a few movies that you know make you feel better and make you feel good and you know do you think there's a do you think there's a uh, a methodology that someone should understand when kind of looking for movies to help them feel better i think um number one it's good to research a movie especially um you know i i watch i'm pretty sensitive when it comes to like extremely violent movies or ones with sort of triggering situations um so it's good for for me personally to go in knowing okay so these are the kinds of things that might happen in the movie these are the kinds of things that are happening in the movie and why don't i if i'm feeling especially vulnerable 
let's try my best to to get a, something a little bit lighter. So, um, but if I want to cry, you know, I, I talk in the book about the Hunger Games and how that's something that always makes me cry. And most people might say, well, why would I want to cry? But it actually helps you, lets you have that release. So I think, think about what, what you're looking for, what you want to get out of a movie. And then if you've already seen it, that's great. And that's actually there's a lot of research even since that I've read since I finished the book about how comforting watching a movie, your favorite movies are. So um, it sort of depends. Do you want to watch a movie you already love? And it's a little bit easier to figure out which movie to, to watch for what situation. Well, and it's, I, I, obviously we have different genres of movies. You have dramas, you have comedies, you have thrillers, you have horror right. films. Do you think each one of those genres plays a significant part in in our mental health from a different perspective? Um, mm-hmm. And again, this conversation is based upon experience and it's based upon upon our own methodology. It's not really, it's not scientific. It's not, not we're not doctors. Exactly. You know, I've done research and then I've heard you know, there's there's research on both sides of the issue um, when it comes to things like violence. Um, you know, do, do these kinds of movies, the thrillers, the horrors, uh, the dramas with extreme violence, how, how much do those affect people? And from the research I did, it, it seemed to indicate the most, or at least what I wrote about in the book, um, that it is possible that... Um, watching a lot of violent movies can possibly lead to a risk factor of, of being more violent. So, um, but there's a lot of research on both sides there. So I talk about that for myself. I know that I can watch maybe a few really violent movies a year and every time I'm going to pay the price, but there's some movies I just love so much or that I want to check out. You know, like there was a Harley Quinn movie that came out i think about a year ago that i really enjoyed but it was it was intense it was it was at time hard to watch it was so good yeah <laughs> yes i love we love the harley quinn movies um we were hoping they were going to make another one but i guess it turned into a cartoon or something i watch some adult cartoons i watch american dad um, I watch Family Guy. I don't watch The Symptoms, Simpsons, but I do watch the other two. My wife and I both. It, it's kind of a it's kind of a ritual since she was home for a year and a half from COVID. We kind of <laughs> got up in the morning and started with uh, American Dad, and then once we ran out of American Dad, we started with Family Guy. So we uh, we that's our little uh, morning escape, and then our lunchtime escape. So we she takes lunch break. We go up, we put on one of those episodes, and it kind of takes the stress of the day away just for a little bit. So now I go for. Uh, Bojack Horseman and Rick and Morty. I've not seen those. I'm not, I'm not, I think you would really like Bojack Horseman. Have you heard of that? I've not heard of that. Oh my goodness! So it's a Netflix um, show, and it's sort of in this world where there are like regular people and then like animal people. <laughs> and Bojack Horseman is like a horse man, and he used to be on this '90s sitcom, and he's done 
things here and there, but it's, it's set in present day and, and he's got alcohol issues. He's got narcissistic issues, all this kind of stuff. And he's got this friend of crashes at his house and he's got an agent who is his former girlfriend. And Whoa. it's just, I mean, you, you get to see the, a very interesting side of the film industry, I'm the a, television industry. I'm in that to check that out. Do you think, speaking yeah. of that, we might as well ask that, go into that. Do you think the television has the same effect as watching the movies? I think it can. I think it depends on the show and I don't think it's necessarily as a constant concentrated thing. You know, there's when you look at a movie, it's a very tight thing compared to television, obviously. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I definitely get a lot from some certain shows, you know. Um, there's shows that, that I've watched over and over that I get a lot out of, you know, Buffy, the vampire slayer and charmed and, and different shows like that. Um, there's something about, um, having these characters that you get to connect with over years yeah. and there's something very special about you that. Get invested in them. I'm, that's why I am with NCIS. I've been there since the beginning and they're like 18 seasons in. Oh, wow. So, you know, you, you get invested in the characters are like family. We were watching NCIS New Orleans and, and when we found out that it got canceled, it was like, you just canceled my family. What's the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I also think there are some reality shows, for instance, America's Got Talent, that for me is really nice because there's so much of that that's so heartfelt and it's so emotional. And I'll cry like several times, not necessarily because I'm sad, but just sort of like because of all the emotion that I'm seeing. I, I, I definitely uh, am the type that I cry fairly easily. And America's Got Talent, it's also a, a victory. You you watch people triumph. And what was really exciting was that a friend of mine actually was on that show, Mandy Harvey, who was um, a jazz singer who's also deaf. And she placed fourth a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, so she was, it was just, it was so magical to watch her on that show. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it has a special place in my heart, that show. Do you have any advice for anybody that that's maybe going through the same journey that you've gone through in regard to seeking out movies? Or, or I mean, I don't, we want them to buy the book. I'm going to talk about it in a second. But um, do you have any advice that you can you can give to anybody in regard to can movies help me? Sure, I think that you know if. If you think to yourself, can movies help you? I would say the answer is going to be yes. You know, if that's something you're contemplating, I would, I think it's a pretty safe bet that yes, that's what's going on. I would say, you know, uh, like I was saying before, be careful about what kind of movies you're watching and just um, go with it and just allow yourself to just be in the moment. One of the things too, yeah, be in the moment. Don't be on your phone. Uh, don't be talking with other folks while you're watching the movie. Being fully present with the movie is something I totally recommend because that's how you get the most out of it is, is being fully present. How do you think cinematography plays into it? Do you think that the, you know, the cinematographer, just everybody understands it, from this perspective, a movie is made up of several different people. You have the director, you have the writer, the director, you have the cast, you have the production crew, and you have the cinematographer. That's the person that shoots all the scene on film or on digital now in regard to uh, creating that story in conjunction with everybody else. So do you think the cinematography aspect of film is an important factor? Oh, yeah. I think it's a huge part of it. I mean, 
the better the cinematography, the more you can, uh, you know, feel that you're in the world of the movie. You know, you think about the different movies that have been nominated or won Oscars for cinematography. And, you know, those tend to be the ones where you can fully immerse yourself in these, these films. So I think it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way it's put together, I mean, the director, the writer, the director, the actors, they all have a part in, in movies and film. I mean, television, everybody's got an integral part in piecing it together like a puzzle to make sure that you are carried through the journey from the beginning to the end. You know, you, you have, Everything in between. You have, the, you have your hero, and then at the end, you have your hero triumphing, or, or the villain, the bad guy's losing. How, however, it plays out. But cinematography, I think, is I won't say a lost art. That's an unrecognized art. You know, I know they recognize them at the Oscars, and they they do it. Um, they they can win an Oscar. They can win other, you know, several DGA awards and things like that. Mm-hmm. But in reality, a cinematographer helps the visualization of that film to bring you into it. You, you know? Yeah, very true. So very, very kind of true. crazy. Any advice for anybody? I think my, uh, I'm trying to think if I have anything that I haven't talked about before. Just, um, you know. How, how about we talk about, how about we talk about your book and, and how to get a hold of that? Can we? Sure. We hope to that then. Let's do it. You can actually find my book in two places and you can also find me. And, so find my book and uh, me at my website, which is www.wearewritingwisely.com. And you can find me on Facebook under Writing Wisely. Uh, find me on LinkedIn under my name, Anne Foistel. That's A-N-N-E-F-E-U-S-T-E-L. And my book is Our Favorite Movies, How Films Affect Our Mental Health. So you can find that on Amazon as well. Now, this is one more thing before you go. So is, is there anything, any words of wisdom that you want to share with us before we go? Um, just be kind to yourself. Find ways to do that. You know, you're not alone. And it's just, I, I, I recommend watching a movie and whether that's in theaters or at your house. And like I said, find ways to be present while you're watching it and just know that, you know, you're an important person and I wish the best for you. And thank you very much. I really appreciate you sharing your journey with us through everything from, from your mental health issues and challenges that you had and creating this fantastic opportunity for people to learn more of how the movies or television, if that's what you prefer, can help us with our mental health and our ability to move forward in a very positive way. So thank you. Thank you. I had a really good time talking with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.